Welcome to the show, Matt. Matt is my brother from another mother. He's a guy that I met only a short three, four months ago, but we just clicked right off the bat. And I just, I loved his energy. I loved what he was doing. And to this day, we have a really good relationship. He's just killing it in the short-term rental and long-term rental space. And I cannot be more excited to welcome Matt from Michigan. How are you, man? Thank you, Pat. I'm great, man. Patrick, it's been a crazy few months getting to know you, but it's been exciting. We've shared some amazing stories already about our mutual history in the Midwest and California now with our Airbnbs. But man, everything's been good, man. Constantly working on deals. And we're going to do a lot of that catching up today. Yeah, of course. And I do want to go more in depth about your story, how you got started, what you're up to, because I think that people really want to know who's this Matt guy? What's his deal? So What's up with Matt? What's What was the upbringing of Matt? Good question. I'm a half Detroit, half California boy. Mom went out West, did some work, did some acting, some modeling, stuff like that. Met Pops, yada, yada, yada. We've been back and forth between the two. So it's been really interesting because like on one hand, we grew up here rough in the Detroit area, in Detroit proper. And then in California, like my dad's always worked. It's very common to know celebrities and musicians because that's what it was. My dad was too. My, both my parents, really. And just being in these two crazy dynamics was really educational. And of course, I found that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, along the way. And I was like, I feel like this is my life. So yeah, that's largely how I got started. And eventually I got into, I got finished up my degrees at U of M, went the corporate America route, started working as an underwriter, a finance manager for a few different companies. It's very quickly looking at everybody's tax returns. And these rentals, what's up with these rentals? They seem like a really good idea. And all my buddies were getting into it. And I got, I was all timid and scared. And eventually I finally pulled the trigger. I got one. I said, hey, I didn't screw that up. Got two. I was like, I think I'm figuring this out. Got three. Before you knew it, I'm at 30. So yeah, it's funny how I just snowballed. Yeah. And then I'll never go back to corporate America. Good yeah. God. <laughs> what, what about corporate America you didn't like? I, it took a long time. For me to realize this and to be honest enough with myself, I'm sure people can feel that, but sometimes you realize we've talked about this. Sometimes you're sitting there at your desk and you just got, you're like, man, this just feels not authentic. It felt like I am trying to tailor my personality to fit in to this and it would never felt genuine. And the more genuine got in a couple roles, I grew tremendously and made great money, fantastic money. But the issue was the further I got into leadership, I always ended up in a leadership role. I would ruffle from some feathers before you know it. And it's like, I was getting written up for, ah, oh, you stepped on this toe, you stepped on that toe. You got let go for being a whistleblower. That company got shut down by the FBI later. But I just, I like to do things right, honest, and I want people to win. I want to grow a company. And when you are a, when you are fighting being who you are, which is a true entrepreneur, you'll find that you don't fit in some of those situations. And that's where it came from. I think corporate's great for some folks. It doesn't mean that they're better or worse than me. It just means I I can, my mind does not work in that setting. And ever since I've been out, I've flourished. I've been happier, 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 happier. And I think you know that feeling after some of the stories we've shared. Yep. Oh, anybody watching this kind of takes a moment to go, I don't feel right here. It's probably because you need to go do something else. Now, it doesn't mean you're just going to be successful at it, If you, but I honestly believe, you know how they say, with, because I'm a real estate broker, I got a bunch of agents with our, under our brokerage. I have agents that come on 
they're effectively self-employed and they're like, I've been an agent six months and I haven't sold a deal. I'm like, what do you do every day to make sure you're creating money opportunity, you know, money-making opportunities and activities. And it's like, what do you mean? I was like, have you posted? Have you gone out? Have you found clients? Have you done anything in the last week? They're like, no. I'm like, then what did you expect? You just think it's going to magically appear out of the sky? Like, you got to put the work in, whether you're self-employed or employed. And if you treat it like it's an actual job, I'm sure you can do well. Yeah. A hundred percent. Same feeling that happened to me. I was working corporate and I knew this was not the thing. I just, I knew that this was something that I had to fake it till I made it. And I was a good employee, but I was also a really bad employee because I realized I hate doing this. So I just cut corners. It's just that. And yeah, I totally agree with you. And so people, if you guys feel that way with yourself and you're working corporate, just know that there are other ways to make money and that you're not going to be poor your whole life. And there's a lot of ways to make money in corporate too. So there's no one, one way to do it. But if you have that entrepreneurial bug, there's a pretty big chance that you might not find a spot in corporate that will help you flourish that way. Yeah. So let's go into that brokerage. What do you have going on now? I know you do lending. You have a brokerage. Let's talk more about what Matt's doing today. Awesome question. So my first real step out into the world to be self-employed was as a real estate agent. And then I felt the real estate brokerages locally were lacking for me. Like I didn't feel the real support. I felt like they were money hungry. I didn't feel like they wanted to work with investor facing agents or investor type agents, people who actually invest as agents too. And I said, you know what, screw this. I'm going to make my own. So I made my own. It's called Woodward Square Realty and WSR has grown. We're about at about 70 agents right now. And it's been one of those things that kind of got me going, created my confidence. It was, it's never going to be the thing that retires me, but I love company because it's my baby. That's the first one I made. And now I got agents coming on, calling me, Hey, can I join? Can I join? Now it's just got a natural growth to it because people see the value in being with a brokerage that can face investors as directly as we do. And we do pretty unique things. And we actually set up with creating turnkey solutions for Airbnbs. We can buy it, rehab it in some areas, furnish it and manage it for them. And that's become a big deal. Shout out to my wife, Sam. She's become instrumental and created that business with me for herself really at this point. Yeah, Matt, you do have, you radiate confidence. Was that always the case or? Good, what a good, awesome question again. God, I was so timid. The disc profiles and all those personality tests, I retook a few of them in the last 30 days compared, and I looked at my results compared to when I was employed. Complete, like similar, but very different. My decision-making and confidence is way up. My need to make sure people, I'm like melding with my culture. Remember, that's such a requirement when you're employed, right? Now I can attract who I want to attract by being who I am. That's become a very powerful thing for me. You attracted me. I don't know who attracted who. Shout out to Rick. Yeah, shout out to Rick, also a lender. He he just said, dude, you guys are both like Midwest guys. Got you got Airbnbs in California, and he just we met at the Texas Rentalpreneur thing, which is what TJ to Johnny put together. TJ has been awesome, man. But anyway, so that from the real estate mortgage, real estate broker side, that's what I've been doing. I've been nurturing that, building the sales, building the management. We do long term. How old are you, by the way, Matt? For the people who are listening. I'm a vampire. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> 36, 37, 37. Yeah. That's still young and relative. So don't worry. And no, I'm not, but I'm going to be kicked out of your group in three years. <laughs> I can't wait to have the honor. So I want a retirement speech. So with that brokerage, you also do lending. Correct. 
And okay, and this is where I'll get a little bit more tuned up on this conversation too. Lending, especially in the Airbnb space, is so challenging. State to state, the the rules change depending on which lender you're working with, which mortgage broker you're working with. We are a mortgage brokerage company. It's Paramount Mortgage Group. And what we've done is we've really adapted our business to satisfy the need for short-term rentals, both in and outside of Michigan. So we do lend for DSCR loans, non-QM loans outside of Michigan. We are qualified to do primary lending as well in multiple states, Georgia, Florida, Michigan, DC. So we do a few things where we're working on a few more states, but we've definitely grown. Our focus has been the STR client because why? I need it because I'm always buying. And secondly, almost everybody that works with me as a client that says, hey, Matt, help me find an Airbnb in Michigan. They need it too. And the problem was a lot of, won't name names, but a lot of the big real estate mortgage brokers, sorry, I do that. I switch them up sometimes, but the mortgage brokers in the nation, what they end up doing is they say, hey, we can do this. We can do that. Once you get that app in, you know what they can't do? The deal. And it's immensely frustrating because you feel like you got, right? You feel like hoodwinked. You feel like whatever. And it's not that they're trying. I really don't believe they're trying to like get you, but they want your business. There's no question. But the issue is if you can't perform or you're not going to keep working on a product that will perform, maybe you're not doing your job as a mortgage broker. And that's where we're saying, hey, screw that. We want to always have that product. So we do residential and we're doing commercial now too, because we started, we're under contract on what's going to be our second, effectively our boutique hotel. We're doing a 12 unit right now. And we're really excited about that one. Yeah. Let's talk about the first boutique hotel before you jump to second. So you're working on hotels now. Uh, Let's backtrack a little bit. Short-term rentals. How many short-term rentals do you have? And how did that all pan out? I have 28 functional Two are being rehabbed and furnished as we speak. So 30. And the and we have we're in a contract for almost 14, 12. We have 12. We're waiting for yeses on two contracts right now. The 12 is that that next boutique. But it all started about four years ago, almost four years ago. I got I had a long-term rental and this Airbnb thing started popping up, right? And they were like, man, we should try this. My buddies were like, hey, let's make sure somebody gets one soon. So I raised my hand and said, screw it. I got a vacancy coming up. Worst case, I lose out on the furnishing costs and it's vacancy month, right? I get it going. First month, it didn't do well. It didn't. I mean, and by the way, garbage. What I did was the worst, crappiest Airbnb of my life. I'm actually refurnishing it like the last three days. It's actually looking gorgeous now. But it was in my second month that I broke even. In my third month, I made money. And the crazy part is the Midwest does not have a lot of data. In fact, when I looked for other Airbnbs to try and find comparables, there's nothing. AirDNA wasn't really even a conversation then. It wasn't really even a thing. I don't even know if it existed, actually, to be honest. It might have, but there was so little here in Michigan that it really was non-existent. So I just, I went with a gut. I was like, what's around here? What would attract me to this area? How dense is the population? Is there a need? Is there a lack of hotels and short-term stay options? And I said, you know what? I think I see a lot of reasons why people would come back here. And some of them I was right about, some of them I was wrong about. What it ended up being was, I was right about being proximate to hospitals. I was right about being in a denser area with low hotel and motel options. I thought I was going to get a lot of stays for being close to downtown Detroit. I didn't get as many as I thought. But what I did get was way more stays being proximate to rivers and lakes. So I got a lot, I get a lot of fishermen in that property, which has been interesting. But that kind of set the set the tone from there. And we got another handful and just took off from there. It's 
So like I said, sometimes you just keep rolling, rolling, rolling into it. And I've still got about 15 long-term rentals besides the 30 short-term. So it's been fun. We're on a contract on a couple more long-terms too. Cool. So yeah. what do you think about the Midwest? Is it untapped potential for short-term rentals? So you do have some in California, yeah, which yeah. is in a more competitive markets in Desert Hot Springs. Correct. But the ones in Michigan, how does that differ? So there's two things. A, you're right. And I'm so glad you're not going to share this with the public because I don't want anybody to find out about it. <laughs> I was going to know. I know. I know. Gonna know. I've heard Kenny SKR Insights. He's talked about it a few times. And some mm-hmm. of the companies. I'm like, oh, secret's out. Kenny's awesome, by the way. Get SKR Insights. Kenny, you can pay me later. Affiliate link, please. For sure. But honestly, with the, the hotels, what's funny is Michigan's summer is fantastic. But California is the hot the desert. It's terrible in the summer. Why? It's freaking crazy hot. Yeah, you hear desert, of course it's hot, but it's like stupid hot, like 115 degrees in the morning. It's just so uncomfortable. Luckily, it's got a pool. We're working on getting a cold plunge going there too. That's going to also help attract. We're going to start doing themed months and week, uh, weeks and months rather. So that's one thing we're doing. And then in the winter, what happens is it's actually a really great market for the desert hot springs, but the winter in Michigan can be a little quiet. So they hedge your risk. That's the benefit of kind of doing that combination of like spacing yourself out throughout the nation or different areas anyway. I still am a big advocate of build where you are strong at and can control your environment. I still think that's like the number one priority all people need to do unless you have a team you can trust. Then you can go inside of those areas. Like lucky for me, because our relationship, you helped me out with finding some contractors because we have a very transient contractor community out there. And we thought we could come all those issues and good God, were we bold and overly confident in that. I had no idea how bad that area could be with suitable contractors. You were very helpful. You were insightful. You offered some aid. And then when it came down to your interest in coming to the Midwest too, I'm like, I got no choice but to pay it forward. I'm like, my blood is your blood, brother. So whatever you need, man. It's one of those things you just help each other out. But it's funny because we met on one conference. And we had the same, I'm going to just put it out there. Might as well. We had the same realization that there's a lot of basic knowledge that gets put on stage. And we were looking more just to meet cool people. And so when we met each other, actually, we were both cool people. So we just decided (laughs) to talk for hours upon hours. It's We've kept in touch ever since. And even though you're across the whole US, we still chit chat here and there, which is you know, why I got you on the podcast to begin with, because I was like, wow, we're spitting so much great knowledge. Like, why not just share with the world, have this conversation on a podcast form. So I'm excited for, I'm happy that you're here as well. Let's transition a little bit as well in the boutique hotels. What's the future looking like for Matt? Great question. Amidst my growth and the confidence I've built with my partners and partners, partnership of friends, there's a lot of people that want to invest with me or they want to buy their own with me. So I built up quite a following of people that are just like, Hey, if Matt picked it, it's probably going to win. It's probably going to win. Knock on wood. We're doing that. This is probably wood laminate, probably just jinx myself. But my point is in all of this, I've got a lot of opportunities to partner with people. I'm offering more partnerships than ever because just because I can find all these deals in the world doesn't mean I can execute on all of them. I Even I can run out of capital. Anybody can run out of capital, but there's certain things that I think everybody's looking for when they're getting into larger product, larger larger buildings or acquiring larger units. You need an operator, 
You need somebody that's a deal finder, and then you need a capital raiser, right? That's typically what you need. And if you're all three in one, you're amazing. Like I've been that. I know you've been. That's a. It's rare to have. I guess what we'll call the trifecta. It's a really rare combo. But if you can do that, you can be huge and immensely like powerful in this arena. But what I did was, as I was buying all these single families, I was like, man, the issue is. I'm creating all these wonderful income producing assets. I'm creating a new investment type, right? Newer investment type. Problem is in residential real estate, they only will, they only, if you want to do like a, a burr method to it, a burster or whatever you people, some people call them, they're not going to give you the value for the income you've created. But in one, what asset class is that available? Commercial. In commercial, they'll take the income approach versus the comparable sales approach to valuation. So the key here is if you get these commercial assets, you have an opportunity to get that income approach. Like for instance, on the, the California property, luckily between our partners, just by changing over the marketing, doing some mild deferred maintenance, and now we're starting to actually like update them. We update them as they're empty because they've been booked. As we are updating them, we found that we're averaging about 55 to now 60% higher NOI just by taking over and managing it on a higher level. So there's, and I think that honestly, by the time we're completed with the year, we might even average 70% higher NOI than expected. And that's all because of what? Like we have the dynamic pricing tool, we're marketing it better, where we have new photos up to improve the SEO algorithm, we're booking.com, all these things, right? And that's been huge, but the benefit is, you also get geocentricity, right? Versus if I have 10 single family homes scattered around the metro area, like I'm going through here, I need some, and if you go even wider than that, you say you're in multiple suburbs or counties, you need a new crew of cleaners, maintenance men, whatever. So you're redeveloping all these things in all these different areas. And before you know it, you're like, your roster of people you need to call when there's an issue is like overwhelming it. Or you gotta start, you start putting it all in your phone book as Patrick Desert Hot Springs knows these kinds of areas are right. I do uh, the same thing. So I yeah, exactly. you got to put the location now. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing, what we found is like, okay, if we're going to really get focused on a commercial asset, so we can get the income approach, we're going to make it more geocentric by doing multifamily or commercial size properties, five plus units or more. Then it'll make it a little bit easier to scale that product. And our next goal is to work into an STR fund, which we're trying to launch in Q1. So to give other people that are interested in investing with us, but maybe they don't want to own and manage their own, they'll be able to say, hey, Matt, pick me. I want to be a part of your investment fund. Um, here's some money. And then they'll have passive ownership. We'll get the tax write-offs, they'll get the income, the quarterlies paid out, things like that. So that's that next step, but you can only really do that once you're in the commercial class. Yeah. I just have to ask this question. How do you balance doing balance 20 plates that you're holding up, right? You have the realtors, the realtor business, the brokerage, you have the lending business, you have the short-term rentals, you have the hotels, you have the other commercial properties you have, I could probably go on for forever. And now you're trying to launch a fund. So how do you have the time to do all this? You missed a few, but it's okay. I'm trying to be arrogant, but I'm a part owner of a software company too. I help develop a real estate brokerage software company and all these other things, a few other partnerships. Oh, and content. You also do content. I also do content. Thank God for, for you connecting me with Josh. <laughs> yeah. Josh, Josh Beldovino, use him, love him. Shout out to Josh. Long time listener. Anyway, uh, how do I do it? I am crazy. I am a little bit crazy. I think as a business owner, I think every business owner that's been relatively successful or beyond admits that they're a little crazy. And it is a hard balancing act. It is constantly a challenge of 
catching your breath versus building something. And I think that there's a snowball effect in your mind when you are a business owner, right? You go, just because you finished today's task doesn't mean you've built up to ensure your business is going to be solvent for the next month or 10 years. So right. that's where the never ending snowball effect of I need to keep growing my thing comes from. And sometimes you start going and getting vertically integrated. Like I keep having issues with contractors. Guess what I'm starting to make right now? I'm starting to make my own contracting company because I'm sick of not having my own in-house guys. I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to make my own. They're like, you're crazy. I'm like, whatever. I already signed up for my builder license. I'm going for it. <laughs> but, and I'd say beyond that to more clearly to answer your question, it comes down to partnerships and people you can delegate to, right? So I've built up within my brokerage, people I can delegate to. I've got my right-hand person, Andy, super helpful. And then my wife has actually helped me build my company. But on, in addition to her and I kind of building what's become a co-hosting company here in Michigan, it's called Hosted now, it became a need to pull her into it. And now it's just her company. Like I assist, but it's her company. She makes all the calls. I get offers support and advice. But because she just left her job as a farmer, she's a doctor, she's a freaking doctor. She quit her job, <laughs> go become this, to become like a yeah. self-employed property manager, more or less. And she's fantastic at it. And she's growing so fast. I made her like a legitimate $10,000 bet. I was like, I bet you, if you put six months of hardcore time into this, you'll do better. And I, I bet it because I knew I wouldn't have to pay it. Yeah. So that's been it. My property, my partner, Byron, on the mortgage side, He's, he's a badass. Like he cares about getting the job done. A lot of my clients work with him. I've worked with him on a lot of things. He's one of those few brokers that actually gets back to you and under promises over delivers, which has always been one of my models. I hate telling people, oh, if you're going to crush like in, in Happy Gilmore, Shooter McGavern. I hate that. I hate that, that whole character. But, oh my God, I can't stand a fake salesman. Bugs me so much. And plus you can't build a business off of being fake, right? You got to be genuine. You got to be real. You got to provide a real value. Um, beyond that, I got Rizwan helps me manage all that long-term property uh, properties that we have. He's invaluable. And what else? You partnered with Josh for content. Yeah, it seems that your secret sauce is partnerships because yeah. you're a one-man show. You can't do it all, but you're very much a visionary. So you like to go beyond to the next step, but you also need people to deploy your vision, right? Totally, man. And if I didn't do, and I'll tell you, I definitely had bad partnerships. I've had moments where I'm like a partner just starts talking sideways. I've had a partner that almost ended up in jail because he was a thief and we had to sue him and we won. So it's, and I, and it's not that I want to sue the person to win, to hurt him, but I had to because if I didn't, the optics make it look like I'm a part of it. And I was like, luckily that person wrote in very direct ways, like all the ways that they did things wrong. I was like, are you, do you see what you wrote? Do you see what you did? Anyway, my point here is when you're working with some partners, they will sometimes remove themselves from your partnership. But if I had started with that partner, I probably would have been burned out. I probably would have never gone into the same with it. Start with your first investment. If it burn, if you get crushed on your first one, you'll probably not want to continue. But luckily my first partnership was beautiful. It was, I had a great partner, still have them to this day. Thank you, Miles. Appreciate you. But it's, if you don't find, if you don't offer yourself the opportunity to grow with people, you're really gonna, you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot. I know one person that she's amazing. She's amazing. I can't believe the business she's built in STRs, but she works solo. And I think she's constantly inhibiting her opportunity to grow 
in a huge way to really get a multiplier effect out of her business because she's so worried about being burned. And once I got to the tough conversation, which is she got burned before. People who get burned on their first couple of partnerships or deals, it ruins you. It just completely ruins you. But I, I, I guess if I offered any comfort to anybody, never, ever give up. Think about the first girl that broke your heart or whoever, not you, but anybody who's dating, sign anybody, right? You're getting, everybody's pretty much gotten their heart broken by the time they're 25. If you gave up then, you would have never had a chance to find another great relationship or maybe even get married, right? So it's the same with partnerships. Partnerships are similar to marriages. You I assume that you and your wife are partners. You guys, you just said that yeah. she runs the co-hosting side of things. So, you know, not only are you guys partners in marriage and in life, but also partners in business. Oh, yeah. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy. Don't Let, let's wrong. talk about partnerships and like this topic. I think you have a lot of knowledge on this. Let's dive deeper into that. Let's first, let's go with you and Sam, which is your wife. And how does that dynamic work? How do you know when to shut it off? What's, do you guys have a set boundaries that you guys put in place? How do you guys work together pretty much? Such a good question. I think we're still learning that too. I'd say what started as the first one, I had that I was like, you know what, Sam, I think you can handle this might be good a side income job for you. I was like, how about you manage my next couple Airbnbs? She said, what if I screw it up? I was like, you're, you won't because I know you care and you're smart. And part of it. So how this started was me betting on my partner and saying, Hey, I see your value. I see your, somebody didn't even raise their hand to do it. And before I knew it, she was doing such a great job. I was like, oh my God, like this might be something. We might be onto something. And then I had other clients that were like, hey, I need help managing. I was like, you know what? Sam, how do you feel about managing the clients that I'm closing? And I was like, I don't, I would trust nobody more, right? Before I, before she knew it in a year, she was managing like 15 units. And she was like, this is actually starting to make me some decent money. And I was like, that's awesome, babe. Let's keep pushing it. Problem was, she's a pharmacist. She was working two pharmacy jobs at one point plus this. And so she let one go because this management took off. And then the second one grew. The other job she get, she went to full-time on that one after she left the other one that was full-time. And this property management thing just kept growing. She had stresses and worries. And what I ended up becoming was her rock. When she, I was like, what's stressing you out? What's the problem? And I'd show her how my business experience and acumen could help her. And it helped, I'd like to say, I, I won't say this to her, but I'd like to think that it helped push her along. She probably wouldn't agree with that. It, I whether I pushed her or not, it didn't matter because if she's not, if she wasn't willing to grow and adapt, it would have been futile. Yeah. So it was because she was willing to grow in her business that became possible. But now what's happened is as I've grown so much of my businesses and, and everything, I've been trying to focus on how do I delegate more so I don't get so buried in my work. Now I'm seeing her get buried in her work. So I'm trying to teach her how to delegate now because she's at that stage and she actually. I think I told you, she just finally left her job. She's about a week and a half out of her pharmacy job working this full time. She's, she was worried. She was worried that not having a job, she'd have, she was worried that not having a job, she would lose her structure and her ability to find a way to wake up and just get going. But she's found that she's super strong at it. And also I think it helps that I'm in the house, I'm taking calls and whatever at seven, seven thirty in the morning anyway. So what we do now is sometimes I look at her and I go, hun, it's time to shut down. Like sometimes we'll work till midnight, one o'clock together because there's just so much going on, especially when you're in furnished mode. Like it's the hottest time, the most like 
people, your clients, if it's your property, it's you want it up and running as soon as possible. It can get pretty tedious, especially when we have, we've had as many as six furnishings going on at once now. And that is a lot. But I think the biggest thing is with all your partnerships, definitely being able to communicate your strengths and weaknesses. When you need a hand, you got to be able to say it. And when you're frustrated, you got to say, I'm frustrated. I'm saying something stupid. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, this is why I'm frustrated. And if you can help me here, that'll do it. And this is not pertaining to my wife, particularly. This is with all partnerships because yeah. any partnership, any project you collaborate on, there's going to come a point where something's not going perfect. And if you bottle up and get shitty with them, it's no one wins. You're not going to get what you needed and you're going to push them away. So how is that going to help your business grow? You got to cut that off. Like it's the most immature approach and you need to say, hey, no, I'm here. I'm, I am bothered. I do feel like I need more help. Can you help me? You say what you need, not what you want to say, right? Focus on the need, not what you want to say. And I think that can And you want to find people that have those values as well, full transparency and more so values that align with your values so that you guys can work together. And yeah. skills that complement each other, right? You don't want to work with somebody that doesn't have complementary skills. And I know Sam uh, decently well just through our conversations. And she seems like almost a polar opposite of you in some ways in terms of how she's composed. And she doesn't talk the talk just like we do. So she's like more of a listener and very grounded. And it's really interesting to see that dynamic. Do you think that's important in partnership? I do. I definitely think having somebody identical to you is a bad idea. You need the complementary skill set. It's nice when people can fill roles that you also focus on. Like I think it's good to have that as a subset of a strength to look at, but it needs to be complimentary. She's been my rock in a lot of ways. I think she'd say that too about me, but for what we've accomplished, like she's a really good integrator. I, like you said, I'm a visionary. There's a book, that book Traction. That's a really great one to read. Rocket and Fuel. Rocket Fuel. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the one I actually met. Sorry. Traction was good too. And then, was that the same book? Same writer? No, different. Maybe same writer. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that's been a huge part. I think with any other partnership too, people say don't talk about the taboo stuff. I think you should. I think that tells you what the crux and wiring of somebody's heart and mind is. I have, I have a partner that were, they're very religious. And I found that some elements of funding, especially like in the Islamic world, they've made some changes and they decided they don't want to do any kind of finance lending anymore. I'm like, I undervalued that that was a possibility. But we worked through it, right? We figured out a way to still remain good friends. and But we couldn't grow anymore because that was a big change. I couldn't have known that ahead of time. I would totally still partner with them. And we still we are still partners. We just can't grow in the same way. So now it's got to be cash purchases only. I heard about that, though, in, in that culture. I know somebody at my event said the same thing, that he can't purchase because it's a religious thing these days. And I... That was news to yeah, me. Fine. Yeah, yeah. But you can't predict that. But at the same time, it's good to know when to cut it off, right? Totally. And beyond that, other things I've learned from partnering, politics. I don't like politics. I intentionally got rid of cable during COVID because I got so overwhelmed with all my aunts and uncles being on Facebook, letting me know their views and all my friends and family fighting over it at every opportunity. I was like, you know what? I don't care. If there was no teams, I, that's how I would play. Because I, I think we do, and I'd probably get some flack for this, but I think we make it too much about a team thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm motivated to main, make sure I'm spending my money where I want to. If I'm going to be taxed, I'm going to be taxed appropriately. Those are my views. 
I do taking care of people, and, but at the same time, people don't help themselves. Sometimes that's a challenge to me because I'm a welfare raised kid. It was helpful, but we didn't stay on it. We pushed, we grew. There, there's a lot of differences. And sometimes you'll see that that upbringing or the political position of some partners may influence negatively how you can align. And I think if you had the talk early on, I could be red, I could be blue, I could be orange. doesn't <laughs> matter if, as long as we have the tough talks ahead, because the tough talks are going to be what really makes or breaks that one in a million situation that you didn't predict that could be like a devastating point for your relationship or partnership. Yeah. Business partnerships kind of a marriage. Now that you totally. think about it. Totally. Yeah. And so with partners, how do you know it's a bad partnership? Stealing from each other is a pretty good sign. I have had that. That did suck. It got worked, it got fixed. But other than that, I'd say lack of communication is probably number one marriage again this is that marriage stuff not discussing how you're going to handle finances marriage not discussing what happens if you it's the kids conversation right what happens if your baby the llc the company or whatever is taking a dive do we all abandon ship or do we try to fix this thing and exit as safely as possible like all those conversations need to be had and and like the warning signs are definitely lack of communication not wanting to talk about it getting so flustered and not, I can handle somebody getting emotional. Somebody gets, I'm so mad. I'm so I'm like, okay, you need a minute. Okay. Come back. Talk to me. now. If you can talk great. I don't care if you're mad. That's fine. Being mad is a human emotion, but it's how you handle it. If you let it, if you shut down, no business gets done. Nothing. You can be like, I'm so mad. I need to yell why I'm telling you what I think we need to work on. Like, okay. That's your outlet. I'll just, I'll earplug it and I'll listen to you. I grew up in a pretty volatile world. So for me, swearing, like people being loud, yelling, doesn't bother me, doesn't phase me. It's not a good trait. I don't want a partner to be yelling or cussing at me, but I'm just saying <laughs> I've got an unusual tolerance to BS or like people freaking out. When it, when, you, you ever see the, I got my office cup as a matter of fact. Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah. Remember the office? It's happening. It's happening. You know, when he's running around <laughs> the office, people are freaking out. Yeah. Like literally when people freak out, I get cold as ice. I'm like, this is what we need to do. That's what we can Dude, I had, we had a So you problem. function well in chaos. Maybe that's oh. the best, the best thing. Strong. I'm strong. You know, what's funny. Yeah. I feel like I gravitate towards chaos. I don't know if that's a good thing for all the psychology listeners out there, but I feel like when there's chaos, I just want to jump right in. I just want to dive in and say like right now in the markets, so tall and weird. I just want to jump in. It's like, this is the time. This is where I wanted to deal. <laughs> it's really telling about you, honestly. And in fact, I have, it took, I think I learned that about myself about 10 years ago. As a matter like, and it, my uncle actually brought it up to me. He was like, man, you just love chaos. I go, shit, I think I do. <laughs> and I, I remember, because he was like, why are you doing that? Don't you, he actually, he actually asked me, he was like, why do you keep growing all these companies? He's like, you have what you need. And I was, and it came back. show right now, Matt, right now, you're in a position where you don't have to work if you really wanted to, you don't have to work a day in your life right now. I'm working. And I, that's literally where we're going with this, right? Yeah. So why am I working? Because I don't know what's going to happen next. And until I can retire, mom, dad, all those people, I, until I know like um, it's like the STR market, I think it's, it'd be ignorant to think it's not still volatile. It's a higher risk thing. But ironically, when I look at my portfolio of what we own and manage of long-term and short-term, my STRs are doing better. I'm seeing more evictions. I'm seeing more and more late payments from my property management. Almost 15% of our portfolio that we own and manage, that's almost 120 something units. Like 
they're behind or they're getting behind. And I'm like, it wasn't like that six months ago. It was a little questionable in COVID, but we were doing pretty well, like during the heart of it, the heat of it anyway. So I guess what I'm saying is amidst everything and the changes and the growth, like I still see a need to grow this. So it's no, even if there's a 30% hit to our income or our properties, we're still going to be in a really good spot. So once yeah. I know I'm there, that's I'm creating the buffer now. I'm good now, but I'm creating the buffer. Do you know what the valuation of all your businesses together is, more or less? That's a really good question. I can tell you the only thing I've checked that I've had time to check, and we're getting ready, we're putting this all together because it's your end right now too. Yeah. I think last year when I did it, I think we were just over 5 million in real estate assets, maybe six or so. And now I'm sure we're over that in terms of just real estate. Actually, I know we're over that because yeah, I don't want to speculate, but I know we're over six. And is there an estimate more or less for all your businesses? All my businesses? Short-term rentals, long-term rentals, everything. Feels weird saying this, but I'd say probably 10. Like 10, 10 million? Yeah, okay. that's, that's probably what I'd say. I I will check after this okay. quarter. Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So that's great. And you've built this over the last, more, most of it happened, the growth happened last five, within your 30s, right? last five years or so really biggest growth was definitely like the last four years and you've been doing this for how long 10 10 good years? question i've been in real estate one way or and mortgages for almost 12 years so some people that go oh my god it happened overnight no god no. it was had some painstaking years just i went from corporate america i was, I was doing like 250 a year at one point and it was 260 i think was my best and then I went to under, I think I was like 70, my first year self-employed. And I was busting my tail to make that 70. I was working, I mean, I've been working seven days a week since that moment, actually. Maybe six and a quarter anyway. But it, I say this to say, these aren't just, oh my God, you came up better nowhere. Because I hate it when people do that. Like they think this is a decade of That's effort. A lot of work. It is. And some of that required reprogramming my mind. I could have gotten here faster if I had aligned with coaches or mentors, I think I could have got there faster. But I also think that part of it was I'm such a do-it-yourselfer like that. And that's, that's kind of what I learned this year, even talking to you when I met you in Texas. Like I felt like the, the groundhog that came up from the ground, like, and was like, what? I'm at, I'm at these conferences. All these here. I got five units and this is how we did it. I got 10 units and this is, I'm like, and then people started asking, how many do you have? Like, I, was, I think it was like 25-ish around that time, maybe 20. I don't know. I had 20 close to 25. And they're like, how'd you do that? Why aren't you on stage? Why aren't you speaking? And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're talking you, know, you watching what you've done in your short period and doing this. That's huge, man. Where you're going to be at my age. I'm also struggling, by the way. I'm not per perfect. To Matt's point, it does take a long time and I'm in it for the long game. My properties right now are struggling. I'm still above water because I've done the right things. And I've had mentors and all this kind of, all these things that you should be doing. I've, I've, been doing to the best of my ability. But at the same time, I know that this is still a long time coming. And I've been doing business since I was 14 years old. I've been working on my craft of becoming the best businessman I could be, being a leader, building teams, all this kind of stuff for so long. And it's not just overnight, oh, I started and it happened, right? Same goes with you. It takes a while for you to build your confidence. It takes a while for you to do anything in your life. It's not going to just happen overnight. Yeah, I could triple underline what you just said, man. And I'm so glad you shared that because I think a lot of people 
they see people on stage or doing big deals or like being around big deals. You don't know. I mean, also add, I know people that have, they'll go around and they'll tell you they have a thousand units. Okay. They have 1% of a thousand units with all their partnerships. So mm -hmm. it's okay. You did good, but there's a vast difference of what your actual net monthly income is on that. There's the, they're faking it till you make it. There's the oversharing and uh, semi-gloating. Like to me, if I was like, and I'm pretty much implying syndication style deals. Like when you're an LP, a limited partner and you're passive, you say you're a part of a thousand deals. It could be a drop in the bucket. If you put 25 grand on a bunch of those deals, like to get into them, to accrue to a thousand units, like it's still good. You have, you've probably got tax benefits. You probably got passive income. Great. But what you're implying in public is quite different. And I think like, even with some of my SDRs, I have, I have partners some I have, I'm 50, 50 on some I'm hundred percent on one of them I'm doing right now. I'm a third owner on this one and it's okay. Yeah. Like it's going to make maybe two grand a month, but what's my net on that? It's a third, right? So it's like, some people think, oh my God, Matt's rich. I'm like, Matt's doing good. Matt's not rich, but Matt's doing, that's doing good. He's happy. He's happy. I can afford my little fun car. I can afford like a nice yeah. house. So it is what it is. Yeah, we should start wrapping this up real yeah. quick. And I have three questions I always ask towards the end. Sometimes it's even four questions. I don't even know. It depends. But what advice would you give to people that are listening? People that are listening are probably STR focused or investor interested. I would say if you, for newbie, I'll give like two answers. Newbies versus not novices, right? Newbie, if you've been thinking about starting, reach out, talk to people, get involved. Pull some triggers. If you're too afraid to do it, get a partner. Get a freaking partner. Find something you can trust and just go for it. Partner with Patrick. Partner with me. Whoever. There's so many opportunities where if you have capital or you can find a good deal or you're a good capital raiser. If you can be any of those three, three things, an operator, great, do it. But you're probably not a good operator if you're a newbie, right? You're learning. So I'd say that for the newbies. For the novices, I'd say figure out your scale. Start delegating. That's the biggest thing. Scaling and delegating, like really picking your processes up. I think there's some other things. I think you need to probably join a mastermind or be a part of a group that will have weekly accountability calls. That's something I'm actually starting to do right now. And I think that's probably where I leave that answer. Yeah. What's your favorite book? I hate being lame, but it is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> you're, like, everybody says it. you're like the 10th person to say it, but it's okay. Rock, Rocket Fuel is good too. I really Rocket think- Rocket Fuel. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a great I book. I think for you, especially because you were talking about partnerships and whatnot, I think Rocket Fuel is a perfect book for understanding how you can leverage partnerships to scale all your businesses. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Great. And this is going to be the last thing. And we did talk about a little bit in the beginning area, but I want to touch on some other things. What's the future look like for Matt? And what particularly, because we've talked about this, are you really interested in diving into? I love that question. And I hinted at it a couple of times, but it's putting together a fund. Like my goal is to develop a fund. And I, I've already met with the attorneys a few times. I think it's going to be launched Jan, January 1 at this rate, but we're going to probably do at least $10 million in purchases and STRs for next year. That's my goal. I it's, and I'm sorry, it's not a goal. It's going to happen. I'm not pulling any legs anymore. I am so confident with my team, with our ability to find and acquire. And of course, we're going to be, we're going to be keeping an eye out for volatility factors in the market and the economy. But I think we're going to do strictly add value plays because you have to, you've got to presume it could be a 20% drop in rents and or valuation. So if you're doing value plays, even if you add the value back to a net zero law in terms of a loss, so that's what we're trying to do. Do you also make sure that it can work as a long-term rental? That's a big factor. Yes. 
I would say we try to. Not all deals will work at the purchase price, rehab, and seasonality, especially if you're doing like vacation rentals versus inner city short term. And also that's the other thing. I think that there's a big opportunity for buy, for people buying higher end, larger homes right now, because a lot of people that did the inner city stuff, I honestly think, I think they're going to be gobbled up because it's an easy buy-in margin. And of course the people doing arbitrage, I, I think people who are excellent at arbitrage, I think they still will stand to last, but I don't think a lot of the newbies that have done it last year or two are going to do it well enough where it lasts. Think about the people that have hundreds of arbitrage units. I can name a few. That lease goes up. They sell that building to an investor like ourselves that might be buying it just to remove those leases. Once you've already proven to us, you can arbitrage those units. We'll arbitrage it to ourselves and we'll make more profit. And now we get to remove you because you already proved it. Well, Burger King, you're McDonald's, right? Mm -hmm. So- Think about that. Like arbitrage people, I think, need to be really mindful of where they're at right now. And again, if we're buying the commercial, we're buying higher end, larger homes, especially at the right price points. I think we could do huge because there's another fact. I'm not going to give this out, but I'll share it with you after this call. There's they figured out some interesting metrics. I'll share that with you later. So if you want to know more, you got to reach out to Matt. And Matt, honestly, you are very giving person. And we've talked about even you potentially down the line doing coaching and that kind of thing, because you're very mentor-esque, but I will, I will just give a PSA out there for anybody that wants to contact Matt. Uh, he's a no bullshit guy. If you're not going to take action, don't contact him. You're going to just piss him off. I think that's the only way to really piss off Matt is to not yeah. take action. And yeah, I would just say, or just be a liar, a liar, a thief or whatever. How dare you? Uh, what's up? How dare, yeah, how dare anybody be that? You're right, man. You're right. I meet people, you meet people all the time that talk about it. And after a year or two of knowing them, they still not invested. I'm an investor. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. Two years later, you haven't done anything. You keep, if you are still on bigger pockets after two years, stop, stop. You're not going to do it. Yeah. And if you're bothered by what I said, good. Now change. Yeah, dude. I'm never going to get on that topic because it's going to be like another hour long conversation if we get on not taking action. <laughs> and we've talked about it too. Cool. Let's just, how can people reach you, Matt? Reach out on my Instagram. I have, I have a link tree there. If you want to chat, you can DM me. But if you want to schedule some time to talk, there's actually a link in there to book some time with me and we can go from there. If you have any questions, if you want to invest with Matt, uh, if you want to get into the fun or you can help him with the fun, definitely reach out. Anything like that. I just want to connect people as much as possible. And I think that's the goal here. So thank you so much, Matt, for jumping on and just sharing your wisdom and your story and just being vulnerable. Appreciate it, Matt. <laughs> Amazing job, by the way, with all the cues and questions. I don't know how you do it. Amazing. Well done, I think man. every time he was like, oh, that's a real good question. That's a real good question. Yeah. <laughs> that's all natural, just curiosity as well as now I didn't prepare for that at all so that was we, we just have good chemistry so I, I'm just always down to hop on a call with you honestly <laughs> same here so, man same here you've been great yeah. awesome Thanks, take sir. care later brother I'll see you